0: Turn with me to the book of Jonah, the very first chapter, the very first verse. While you are turning there, I want to remind everybody next Wednesday night, August 23rd, is our youth service. And we are excited about what God is doing in our young people. And through our young people, I'm excited anyway. You're not going to get quiet on me, are you? All right, just making sure. I was praying today, praying about who I should ask to preach that service. And, uh, it is my honor, and my privilege to announce to you that uh, Brother Spencer Hansen, all the way from Carmi, Illinois, is going to be with us next Wednesday night. And, uh, I believe he is a young man who is anointed, and uh, he and his wife will be with us. And he is on the youth development. Council for the Midwest region and uh, I believe that we are going to have a fantastic time next Wednesday night God is going to move and I want to be here and I want to find somebody else to bring with me so if you've got a friend that needs filled with the Holy Ghost you invite them next Wednesday night well just go ahead and invite them Sunday. And uh, then invite them back on Wednesday. And we believe that God's going to fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. We believe it. We believe it in Jesus' name. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1 said, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it, to go with them unto Tarshish. Now this sounds really funny, but from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea. There was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. When the mariners were afraid, I'm sorry, then the mariners were afraid, and cried, every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. I'm going to preach tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost Lane closure ahead. Lane closure ahead. Now it's vague, I know. But we're going to preach tonight with the help of the Holy Ghost. Why don't you put your Bibles down and let's let's go before the Lord in prayer tonight. God, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity to be together in your presence. God, I pray that you would move in every heart and in every mind, and in every life. God, we want Your Word to move outside of these four walls. And God, we want You to move in the hearts of men and women everywhere in our city. God, we want Your will to be accomplished. We want Your will to be done in us, for us, through us, and by us. God, I pray that You would let Your Word find its mark. God, I pray that we would open our hearts and our minds to receive Your Word tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Why don't you shout amen? Amen. Oh, that sounds good. Let's do it again. Shout amen. 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 You can be seated tonight. Our opening text comes from the first chapter of perhaps one of the Bible's most recognizable stories. Uh, In Sunday school classes everywhere all over the world, Kids have been taught about Jonah and the whale. Jonah and the whale. Believe it or not, we're not even going to be preaching tonight about the whale. And uh, there, there is plenty to preach about in the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah falls under the category of one of the minor prophets. Now, I'm going to take my time here for a minute and just just lay a foundation, so just bear with me. Uh, minor prophets were not called minor prophets, and major prophets were not called major prophets because one was more or less important than the other. Okay. Uh, in fact, the prophetic books, both major and minor prophets, occupy uh, or are arranged, rather, as the last 17 books of the Old Testament. They are labeled as major or minor prophets because, quite honestly, some books are longer than the others. So the longer books are called major prophets, the shorter books are called minor prophets. Okay? Tonight, we're not studying the layout of the Old Testament, but just so you know, and just so if you don't catch anything else, you at least leave with some, some good information. There are five major prophets and there are twelve Minor prophets. I'm not going to ask you to name them, to recite them in order, uh, but just so you know that Jonah falls into that category. In fact, some historians and theologians believe that the book of Jonah acts as a bridge uh, from the the pre-literary prophets to the literary prophets. I, I know this sounds boring right now, but uh, we know that Elijah was a prophet. We know Elisha was a prophet. We know Nathan was a prophet. Gad was a prophet. And all of them played a very specific and a very important role, uh, but they don't have books named after them in the Bible. And so uh the stories of the major and minor prophets were written out as literary works. And so Jonah is is the first, they believe. Uh And so here we are in the book of Jonah. And it just so happens that the book of Jonah plays more of an important role than just talking about a whale. Uh, But it acts like the transitional book. And so in in this book, we hear the story of one man's call, Jonah's call, and Jonah's response. We know from history that, that Jonah was likely a contemporary if not buddies with two other prophets whose names are uh labeled as the titles of books in the bible hosea and amos both lived in the same time frame as jonah lived jonah would actually be even named and recognized as a prophet by jesus christ himself all the way in the new testament and We've, we've heard a lot of preaching from the book of Jonah. We've heard a lot of teaching. We've heard a lot of lessons. We've seen a lot of skits, a lot of sketches uh, regarding the book of Jonah. And that's simply because there is so much to preach or teach in the very short book of Jonah. We could preach tonight. Uh, we could talk about the increasing darkness or how darkness increases In the life and in the book of Jonah, we could talk about the darkness of the storm. We could talk about the darkness of the night. We could talk about the darkness of the deep. We could talk about the darkness within the belly of the fish. We could preach about the occurrences of going down. We could preach about how Jonah went down to Tarshish. He was going down to Tarshish. We could talk about how Jonah paid the price. We could talk about how Jonah went down into the ship. preach tonight about how he went down into the sea. We could preach about how he went down into the fish's belly and how the fish in turn went down into the deep. We could spend a very good portion of time and we could preach a fantastic message about how sometimes you have to be taken down before you can go up. We could even talk about the evidence of the mercy of God as is seen throughout the book of Jonah. We could talk about how God is merciful to the individual. God was merciful to Jonah. We could talk about how God is merciful to groups. He was merciful to the sailors. We could talk about how God is merciful to the heathen, as in the Ninevites. We could talk about how God is merciful to His own people, Israel. We need to understand tonight that we're thankful for all of those messages and all of the messages that we've heard and everything that's been preached, but we're not really preaching about all of those things tonight. We're going to start by talking about Nineveh. Nineveh was the place Jonah was called to preach to. It was an ancient capital city of Assyria. Actually, it was a complex of cities. It was over 500 miles to the east of Israel and on the other side of the Tigris River. It would be just decades after this occurrence in Jonah that the Assyrians would come and completely annihilate the cities in Israel, in the country of Israel, and carry them away captive. But before that, God desires to see a revival in Assyria. Assyria, and specifically the city of Nineveh, was known for its splendid architecture and and its grandeur, but it was also known for its wickedness. Nineveh was a very wicked place. And we could preach about the wickedness of Nineveh. And we could be occupied for a while discussing the culture and the history and and the future of Nineveh. But tonight, we are not going to discuss any of those things. We are going to preach about the structure of the book of Jonah itself. Wow, this is going to be fun. It, it's fun. I'm not. The book of Jonah is divided into four sections. It's divided into four chapters. And I want you tonight to to view each chapter as if it were a lane on a four-lane highway. The highway is the highway of Jonah. Chapter 1 is where we find our opening text. That is lane number 1. We find that in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And Jonah goes down to Joppa, incidentally the same city that we would find Simon Peter in. In the New Testament, on the rooftop of Simon the Tanner's house when he sees a vision calling him to go preach to Gentiles. Jonah does not respond like the Apostle Peter responded. He finds a ship going to Tarshish and he pays the fare thereof and he goes down into it to go with them unto Tarshish running from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sends out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. They are hearing the ship creep. They're hearing it pop. They're seeing water flood over the sides of the boat. Most likely this was a group of Phoenician sailors, and they are calling out to their gods. They are praying. They are crying. They are Grabbing everything that is expendable and they are throwing it off the side of the boat into the sea. They're trying to lighten the load to get the boats to sit, the boat to sit higher in the water. They're trying to keep the water out. They're trying to make it more maneuverable. They're trying to, to increase the odds into their favor, but nothing they are doing is working. And so they begin in their search to, to lighten the boat. They go down into the belly of the ship. And there they find a man asleep. They find Jonah is fast asleep. We know the story very well. We're not trying to to regurgitate details tonight that you already know. But we see that, that people are running frantic. They are scared. And here in the midst of all of that is Jonah, who is seemingly unaware of the storm. And it was not a godly peace that he was feeling. He's feeling like, He's finally escaped the call of God, and they they begin to wonder what is going on here. They they are idolaters. They are pagans. But even the pagans understand that something is awry. Something is going on. This is not a normal storm. They begin to understand that they are in the deep. They understand that uh, there's something about this storm that makes them realize there are spiritual things that are attached to it. And I, I ask you to remember tonight that the deep was used throughout scripture as a metaphor for spiritual encounters and spiritual transformations. And, and these sailors, these, these ship masters, these mariners are feeling that. They are feeling the urgency of, of this is more than just inclement weather. This is more than just a bad storm surge. This is more than just rain and wind, but something spiritual is going on. Let me tell you that the pagans understood what the man of God was sleeping through. The pagans were more aware spiritually in this moment than what the the servant of God was supposed to be. And so they they begin to rely upon their their divination and their Phoenician idolatry, and, and they gather everybody on deck, or perhaps they gather everybody into the captain's quarters, and and they begin to cast lots. They begin to uh, roll dice, as it were. They begin to pour uh, or pull rather straws out of a cup, and whoever draws the short straw, that's the person with whom the issue is, and the the lot falls upon Jonah. And these sailors look. At Jonah, and they ask him, Man, tell us, verse 8, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is your occupation? Who are you? Where'd you come from? Where were you born? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. The Phoenicians worshipped gods who were supposed to be in control of the sea and in control of the sky and the wind and so on and so forth. But here... Jonah is evangelizing in his backslidden condition. And Jonah's saying, you know, I need to tell you, boys, uh, uh, my God, didn't. He's not just in control. He created the sea. He created the sun, the moon, the stars. He created all of that. And uh, He made the sea and the dry land. And these guys are exceedingly afraid. And He says to them, what have you done? What have you done? He fled from the presence of the Lord because He had told them. If we were going to name Lane 1, if we were going to name, give a title to chapter 1 of the book of Jonah, we would name chapter 1, Jonah Runs from God. What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought was tempestuous. And he said to them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. In verse 16, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. They throw Jonah off the side of the boat. The men are afraid. The men are beginning to respect Jonah. Jehovah, and as the sea begins to die down, and as the wind goes away, these men say, you know what, we better do something. Uh, we better understand that the mercy of Jehovah, the God of the Hebrews, has just spared us. And so, in the midst of the storm, when, when the man of God should have been witnessing to them, God's witnessing to them through the weather. God's witnessing to them through the storm. And there, after they throw Jonah off the side of the boat, the, these pagans begin to offer sacrifice unto God. Now the Lord had prepared. The Lord had called. It's the same language that's used when God calls people. God prepared. God called a great fish to swallow up Jonah. The fish responded to the call. Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So lane one. Jonah runs from God. Chapter two, verse one. Then Jonah prayed unto God, unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Now, let me just pause and tell you, God knows how to build prayer rooms. And we can either use the prayer rooms that He's called us to. We can build a prayer life. Or He can put us into situations that are so tight, there's no way out but to pray. Verse 2, and He said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord. And he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Now, sounds like he's talking in the past tense, and that's because he likely was. I doubt he had a quill, ink, and a scroll with him to write down all of his words as he's sitting in the belly of the fish. And so we believe that he didn't write anything down until he got back to his home, and then he writes down... The the epic of his call, his run, and God's response. I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. The language literally refers to someone who has been brought to the very gates of death, but has not necessarily experienced death itself. The word here that is used for hell is the Hebrew word sheol, which is the word that is used and refers to the place of the dead in most instances. But here it's the expression that refers to the very brink of death, to the very edge of the grave. And in verse 6, Jonah says, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains, and the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord, my God, and when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came in unto thee and to thine holy Temple, we are getting a glimpse into the mental and the emotional and the spiritual turmoil that just, uh, Jonah rather is working through in this moment. He's he's been resistant to the call of God. He's been he's been hesitant. In fact, he's not just been hesitant; he's completely run from it. But here in this moment, and in the fish's belly, he's saying, "God, my prayer came in unto thee. My prayer came in to thy holy temple." And there's a change when Jonah finally touches God. I wonder tonight what our what our world might look like, our our individual worlds might look like if we were put into a scenario where we finally touch God. Verse 9 records Jonah's response in the last two verses of chapter 2. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord and the Lord's. Bait to the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. So if we were going to name uh, lane one that Jonah runs from God, then in lane two, we would write that Jonah runs to God. In chapter 1, we see a man who is called. We see a man on whom the hand of God is, the calling of God is, and he gets a summons to operate in the kingdom of God in a manner that he does not deem fancy enough, or perhaps Jonah's just simply a racist. We don't quite know, but we understand that Jonah didn't want to follow the call of God, and so in chapter 1, we find Jonah running from God, but in chapter 2, we find Jonah running to God. I wonder tonight... Which lane we would like to find ourselves in? I wonder tonight what kind of circumstance and situation we might like to find ourselves in. Imagine yourself driving down this four-lane highway. Which lane, one or two, would you like to be driving your family in? What lane might you like to find yourself in tonight? There is a way, seemeth right, leads to destruction. Every man's way is right in his own eyes. Jonah runs from God, and then Jonah runs to God. And when Jonah runs to God, the Lord spake to the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry Jonah runs to God. Jonah 3 and verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. You see, the word God had for Nineveh came to Jonah once he surrendered to the will of God. God had used a storm. God had used inclement weather and waves and even pagans to place Jonah in a situation where Jonah would submit to the will of God. And we find that when Jonah gets in alignment with the will of God, he also finds the grace of God. And if lane one had been all the way on the right, that would have definitely been the slow lane with all kinds of opportunities to exit, all kinds of opportunities to take a detour, all kinds of opportunities to get off and stop at McDonald's and, and buy a McChicken to clog your arteries, and all kinds of th- opportunities to get off and go a different way. But then he moved over into lane two, and, and now he's running down the middle of the highway, and and, it, and it's a place where the traffic's moving quite a bit better. And He's running to God, and he's experiencing things in lane two that he wasn't able to experience in lane one. But now the Word of God comes to him again, and he's switched over to another lane. And he finds in that lane the grace of God accompanied with the alignment with God. Let me just preach to us tonight. You can never go wrong getting in alignment with God. I don't care how crazy it sounds. I don't care how out of character it is. You can never go wrong when you get in line with God and his word and his plan and his man. The word of God came to him a second time. We find the grace of God here in Jonah 3 in verse 1. And he says, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it whatever I tell you to preach to it. Go to Nineveh, that great city. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Those are the exact words he used in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 2. Cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And in Jonah chapter 3, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Preach unto it, whatever I tell you to preach. So Jonah arose, and he goes to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city, Of three days journey. Notice with me. The fish did not spit him out on the banks of river Nineveh. It spit him out three days journey. It's taken him a while. To get to the point where he's ready to submit to the plan of God. And now God's saying listen you might have got here a little quicker. But you're going to have to do some walking. And so he walks a three days journey and he gets to Nineveh. And when he gets to Nineveh, historians tell us that the city of Nineveh's circumference or its perimeter, rather, was 60 miles. He didn't hop in his Subaru. He didn't hop in his Volkswagen. He didn't even hop in his Ford or on his minibike. He's walking around the perimeter of the city. And he's preaching what the Lord tells him to preach. Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. He walks in a day's journey. And he cries. Says, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Mind you, the city of Nineveh is great. It's architecturally grand. But the people are barbarian. When he walked into the gate for the stender, he had to walk through two massive piles of human bones that the Assyrians placed on either side of the gate so their enemies would know what kind of folks lived inside. These are folks that are not afraid of violence. These are folks that are not afraid of battle. They are not afraid of warfare. And so if you're coming in here, you better know what you're getting into when you come in. These are the bones of our other enemies. And Jonah's got to walk in. But Jonah's been in a place where he's run to God, Brother Isaac. And when he ran to God, he wasn't just filled with with obedience, but he's filled with courage. And so Jonah walks in, and he starts preaching, and he starts saying things such as, Hey, if you don't repent in 40 days, God's going to wipe you off the face of the earth. If you don't repent and turn from your wicked ways, God's not very happy with you. So the people of Nineveh believed God. The people of Nineveh proclaimed a fast. The people of Nineveh put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them even to the least of them. They made their animals fast, they put ashes on their animals. They didn't let anybody eat. They didn't let anything eat. And in verse 10, God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that He had said He would do to them and He did it not. Let me just tell you, God's intention for Nineveh did not change. When Jonah walked in, God's plan was to wipe Nineveh off the face of the earth. But there's something that began to happen from lane 1 to lane 2, and now in lane 3. In lane 1, Jonah's running from God. In lane 2, he's running to God. But in lane 3, Jonah is running with God. God, I'll do it. God, I'll go. But now he's there and he makes up his mind. I'm not just running to God because I got to get out of the fish. But now in lane three, Jonah makes up his mind. God, I'm going to run with you. Whatever you say, whatever you tell me to say, I'm going to do it. I don't care how big the task is. I don't care if it takes me three days to preach the message. I'm going to do it, God. I don't care if I got to walk through barbarians. I don't care if I got to walk through wickedness. I don't care what I face. I'm not satisfied getting off the exit. I'm not satisfied just running to God and getting what I can. But I'm going to run with you, God. I said, I'm going to run with you, God. I'm going to do your will. I'm going to do your plan. And God's message became Jonah's message. God's intention never changed. But the people of Nineveh changed. Because Jonah was running with God. We see it in the book of Acts. And the Lord working with them. It's not peculiar to the book of Jonah. God desires to work with His people. God desires to run with. desires his people to run with him. Habakkuk, another of the prophets, write the vision, make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. God's plan, God's desire is for you and I to get out of the slow lane. To get in lane two. To run to God. But then, not to live in lane two. But I got to get comfortable enough with the highway speed. Takes a minute. A little scary at times. Especially when it feels like everybody else, boom, 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 boom. Whoa! They go, my goodness, I don't think I'll ever be able to move that fast. Well, there's this little pedal on the right. It's tall and it's narrow. And if you just put your foot on it, My goodness. I don't know, I I don't know about you, but I like driving those vehicles that when I put my foot down, I better have somewhere to put that vehicle because it's going. I like them when they got that little sport mode. You may not have heard anybody do that before, but you never rode with me in one. Sitting at the Light by Moe's in the license branch at the time. Eight-cylinder Mustang pulls up next to us, Brother Chris, and I had a. And I had found the button that switched it from eco mode to sport mode. Who knew? They're very aerodynamic and the electric motors do not have any lapse time. That means it doesn't take it a minute to think, hey, they're pouring more fuel to this thing. I gotta go. No, there's no reaction time. It's just, boom, it's there. Boys, watch this. turned green. Old V8 was left in the dust. What? There we went. Just silent like a little wind up. I hit 60 and backed off because I didn't want to get a ticket in the work vehicle. And here he comes. Whoa! He's laughing the whole way. But guess what? If I got, I, 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 if the ability is there, I need to know. If the ability is there, I got to you just never know when that's going to come in handy. And so it might be daunting. Everybody else, whoa, whoa, whoa. Man, I come to church and I'm just glad to be there. And here's brother or sister souls running the aisles and standing on their head and doing backflips. My goodness, I don't know why they got to do all of that. But you're in lane two. And because you're in lane two, that's a good place to be. But the plan is, we don't want to live in lane two. We want to run to God, we want to know how to run to God. But I don't want to just live for God because He can get me out of a tight spot. I had a customer that had a Mustang Mach-E. It's like the stepchild of the Mustang family because it's all electric. There is no combustion engine. And you know the story. He took me on a ride. He said, hey, Rich, uh, brace yourself. So I, you know, I braced myself. I had not braced myself nearly enough. I'm like, Why is this guy looking around? He's looking around. He's looking up and down the street. And he puts that thing in GT mode. And it was the trippiest thing, Brother Chris, because there's no combustion engine. You don't have the V8 rumble. I'm used to the Harley Davidson rumble, it's not there. You hear the poof of the tires against the pavement and the wind rushing by. It's the trippiest thing on a silent roller coaster blasting to the moon. And he put the pedal down, and I went back in the seat so hard I had to catch my glasses. Let me just tell you something. You don't buy a vehicle like that just to putz around town and take Granny to the pharmacy. Oh, Amen. Ah, you better hang on, Gran. We're getting ready to go for a ride. I'm just saying you've not bought into some little four cylinder Honda Civic geo metro kind of god. Jonah got a revelation in the belly of the great fish. Hey even the pagans understand how powerful this is. This God is so powerful he's calling fish to the ministry. And the fish are responding. The wind and the waves are responding. He was calming storms before he ever walked on them because he was the God who created him. You've not bought into some wish.com experience. This is prime. so I've got to make up my mind. I'm not just going to live in lane two. I'm thankful for lane two. Some of us are in lane two and we're thankful that we're in lane two and you should be thankful that you're in lane two but what I need you to understand is there's coming a day, honey, when you got to put your foot on that gas and you got to press down, hit that blinker and merge over and start saying, okay, God, I've lived in lane two long enough. It's time for me to run with you. It's time for me to grab hold of your purpose it's time for me to let your words be in my mouth. Lane one was running from God. Lane two was running to God. As she repent, you shall all likewise perish. We're running to God. We got to run to God. Lane three is running with God. So God spares Nineveh. But in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord. Was not this my saying? Listen to what Jonah says. When I was yet in my country, didn't I just know this is what you were going to do? That's why I didn't want to do this in the first place. I knew you're a gracious God. I knew you're merciful. I knew you're slow to anger, of great kindness, and you repent of the evil intentions that you have. He begins to explain to God why he didn't listen in the first place. God, I knew you were going to do something that I didn't want you to do. I knew you were going to ask of me things that I wasn't ready to give. Don't you know that's why I ran in the first place? We're in lane four. Lane four is that lane on the highway that's like shoulder work ahead. And it's like you're driving in Michigan. It's like, and you feel like every time you hit a pothole, you're going to break a rim, blow a tire. And it's going to throw you into the wall. You're going to flip head over heels, end over end, bumper over bumper, and and it's just not good. Didn't you know, God, that's just why I didn't want to commit in the first place? God, I knew you wanted to have revival there, and I knew you wanted to use me to do it. But I'm not happy with the outcome. There's too much change that's required in me. This from a man that had been running with God. Therefore now, O Lord, just kill me. It's better for me to die than live. And the pettiness of Jonah is shown When God lets a a gourd, a vine grow up behind him and it provides him shade and he's just sitting there in the shade railing on God. He's just sitting down on the hillside waiting to watch fire and brimstone fall out of heaven. And here's 40 days and it's not happening. And he starts getting mad. I just... And so the guy that had run from God and the guy that decided to run to God and then the guy that was running with God starts running ahead of God. Well, God, I wanted you to judge them, but you're not doing it. God, I wanted to, you to, to do this. God, I wanted you to make their house fall into the ground. And you did it. We did it with Moses. The ground opened up. swallowed Korah. To Ethan and Abiram, God, I just knew that if they heard that one message, God, I knew that if they that just happened, that, that you wouldn't do it, God. And now my enemies say, and I still want to hate my enemy, and I still want to see them suffer, and I still want to see them fall into destruction. But God, here you are, wanting revival. You know, I can't go back to Israel and tell them what you've done. You know, I can't go back to Israel and tell them how you saved these barbarians. This is still Old Testament, but God's wanting to have a Gentile revival in the Old Testament. Let me just tell you, folks, we got to be careful that we don't get ahead of God. I, I, I come to preach tonight that there's a lane closure ahead, okay? Lane one is shut down. And lane four is shut down. We're not running from God and we don't want to get ahead of Him. I want us to make sure we're either running to God or we're running with Him. We're never getting ahead of Him. I said we're either running to God or we're running with God. We don't want to get ahead of him. He said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I don't want to get ahead of God. I want to let God do God things. And I want to be over here doing those things with him, not getting ahead of him and not falling behind. I want to make sure tonight that we know running from God doesn't pay. And getting ahead of God's judgment doesn't pay. Jonah gets mad. When his vine dies. Oh God. Why did you let that vine die? That vine was being used for your glory. It was shading your prophet. Why? Why? Why don't you just say that with me? Why? Why? Oh, you can do better than that. What? There you go, turtle. Hit him with it again. Why? Come on, do it again. Why? Why, Why God? God said, "You mean to tell me you're more concerned about a about a gourd?" And you are a soul. God, I was really looking forward to looking down over heaven's heaven's banister and seeing that one burn in hell. That lane's closed. I was really looking forward to sitting back and watching it all burn down around them, Lord. (laughs) That lane's closed. I said that lane is closed. Well, if I can't do if I can't see that then I just don't want to do it. That lane's closed. Stop it. You can't get off the highway. So run back to God find yourself another prayer room find yourself another place to pray how come to let us know in this world we are going to have some troubles but this one thing i know one thing if i desire to the lord that will i seek after to dwell in the house of the lord forever All the exits are closed. No loitering on the shoulder. Get out of lane one. Lane one. We're running from God. It's too late in the game to run from God. Musicians, you can come. Things began to change. Souls began to be one when Jonah starts running to God. God is evangelizing with the storm. Jonah says, you know what? Guys, if you don't throw me over, you're going to die, and I don't want you to die, so just, just go ahead and throw me over. We can't do that. We're compassionate pagans. He said, "No, seriously, you got to do that. Said, right? These three days and three nights in the depths. There's transformation taking place." Don't throw away the transformation of deep. Because God doesn't do things exactly like you think he should. Don't waste that experience. We've been living in lane two. Let her eat. I want to run with God. But never do I want to get ahead of God. Never do I want to say, okay, God, you know what? I just want to see judgment right now. Listen, we've all had those moments. Some of us probably more than others. Where we're like, God, break their arms. I mean, that's biblical. That's that's in the Psalms. Just break their arms off and slap them with their own hands. And I think God allow those psalms to be in there just so we would know that we're not the only ones that feel like that sometimes. And in the same moment, we know that, you know, God does care about our prayers. God does care about our feelings, but not above his will. And it's really easy for me to say, you know what, God, my feelings have been hurt. I think I'm just gonna merge back on over and just, I'm gonna go find a rest area somewhere. Well, here's the thing about rest areas. Yeah, they're nice. Pull over. I mean, if you really need to use a bathroom, I guess you could go to a rest area. Fact of the matter is, but the Pinkerton, the rest of the traffic just keeps moving. So, come on brother Isaac help me you're in lane you're in lane three okay but I was I was in lane three but then I got mad and and we're we're moving I'm just going to take this exit I'm just resting I'm just taking a break oh man just tell you the church can't afford to stop and wait I want everybody I want everybody and I mean that when I tell you I'm telling you that you're worth it and I want you I want you to be involved I want you to be a part but if you're dead set that you're getting off The church isn't going to sit around and wait to have revival because the world isn't sitting around waiting the world is moving full steam ahead the spirits of darkness are moving full steam ahead and there's a Nineveh that needs saved there's a Nineveh that needs to hear preaching, I'm just telling you lane one is closed and lane four is closed we're not getting ahead of God and we're not jumping ship I'm telling you what we're going to do, we're running to God and then we're running with God I wonder if I have anybody here tonight that would say I want to run to God, I want to run to God maybe I'm not where I want to be I want to run to God I want to let God transform me I want to let God work in me I wonder if I've got anybody that would say I'm ready to run with God, I want to do the work of God, I want to submit to his will, to his call I want him to use me for his glory run to it with Him. He's ready to work. He's ready to work in your family.